Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. the blessing of the Lord. In Deuteronomy 28, I'll read this, I read it last week, but this is the blessing of the Lord for those who have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Galatians 3 says, we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Uh, Deuteronomy 28 verse 3 says, Blessed shall you be in the city, blessed shall you be in the country, blessed shall you be in the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall you be in your basket, in your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. I like that. That's just, I, you know, I just, I always, I get the, the, the picture there of Wiley Coyote for some reason. Those who remember Wiley Coyote running. They shall come out before you and flee in seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses into which you, all you set your hand. He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God has given you. The Lord will establish, establish you as a holy people to himself just as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they, will, they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods and the fruit of your body and the increase of your livestock, the produce of your ground, I mean, this just keeps going. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, above, not only and beneath. You shall be above only and not beneath. I mean, it just keeps going, all the blessings. Of course, the opposite of that is the cursing. <laughs> so, I, you know, you keep reading, you'll find the curse. I want to walk under the blessing of the Lord. So last week, we started taking a look at the breaking the spirit of poverty and what that means, breaking the spirit of lack. And, and the origins of that, as we said, all originate in the spirit of fear. The enemy wants to control you and to keep you entangled, ensnared, trapped up in this spirit of fear. Paul told Timothy that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And so we took a look last week at what that means, what that looks like. To overcome and to walk in victory over the spirit of fear, we have to identify our, our power and authority, that we walk as uh, under the identity of Christ. We don't walk under our old self, our old sinful nature. We walk according to Christ, the identity of Christ. And so with that, with the identity of Christ comes all the power and authority that Christ has. We've become joint heirs with him. So every spiritual blessing, every bit of authority, every bit of power flowing from God through the Son into our lives. So we have to learn to walk and the power and the authority that God's given us. Secondly, he's not only given us power and understanding of authority and power, but he's given us his love. 
And so it's the God kind of love. We live daily saturated, inundated with the love of God. Perfect love cast out fear. So why do we preach and teach? Get under the influence of the Spirit of God because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of love. He sheds abroad the love of God in our hearts and our lives. And so as you begin to be influenced by the Holy Spirit, guess what you're going to become more aware of? The love of God. And so you become, Solomon talked about this. Song of Solomon talked about, talks about the love of God being absolutely intoxicating. Have you experienced the love of God to the point of intoxication? You know, people walk around, you know, they, and influenced in services. You see this at times, people acting like they're drunk, carrying on, laughing uncontrollably, slurred speech, worshiping. God in the middle of all of it. Isn't that what happened on the day of Pentecost? That when they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that the, those who were around thought that they were drunk. Peter stood up with the 11 and said, these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your... And he just preached. He went for it. And they got born again. That was the effects of of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes you aware and understanding of the love of God. And then he's given us a sound mind. He's given us the ability to walk in self-discipline. Everybody say no. <laughs> That's not a bad word. <laughs> it's not a bad word. Learn to use it as needed. No. Tell yourself, no, I don't need to spend that money right now. I don't need to say that. I don't need to think that. Take authority, living in self-discipline. When you don't walk in self-discipline, you open the door to fear. Because you're now no longer living under the control and the wisdom of heaven. You're walking according to your own nature. And we know clearly through scripture that the end of that brings what? Destruction. There is a way that seems right to man, but the end is destruction. And so as a believer, the just shall live by faith. Faith requires us to walk in self-discipline, that we don't allow ourselves to roam off the path of faith, but we stay on the narrow path, the hard path of faith. Now, when I talk about hard path, the Bible, Isaiah, talks about this highway of holiness. Go read it. This highway of holiness, this place where, where sinners shall not cross. It's a, it's a highway prepared by the Lord for you and I to walk. Our, our natural selves, our carnal selves, our natural carnal nature does not want to walk on the highway of holiness. We want to indulge on our chocolate chip cookies to overflowing. I did not do that. I ate them sparingly. I did not overindulge. I had to tell myself, self, the Lord blessed me with these, and I'm not going to be a glutton. I'm going to eat them correctly. Right? The Lord, the Lord, what? The Lord has blessed me with my finances. I'm not going to overspend. Y'all hear what I'm saying? So you have to walk in self-discipline. So we took a look at that. This week, I want to take a look at having a revelation of truth. 
You know, when you get a revelation of the truth of the word of God, it will liberate you. Jesus said, you shall know the truth. John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and what? The truth will set you free. So we're going to have a revelation of truth today. Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So this truth of God illuminating our path. And as you go down this journey in life, there are plenty of things that will try to distract you from the journey that God's called you to walk. The spirit of poverty, the spirit of lack that we're talking about, breaking this, this curse in your life and walking under freedom is a distraction. The enemy will come in when God calls you to step out in faith, when God says to walk in faith in a particular area of life, the enemy will come in and say, well, you can't do that. You see what happened to this person over here? You can't do that. You know, if we go around gauging our lives on the mistakes and everything else everyone else did and all the failures of everyone else, we would sit at home and be hermits and never do anything because someone's messed it up somewhere, everything. And so at some point, we have to learn to walk by faith, not by the distractions. There's obstacles that will come our way. The enemy will come and he'll throw bitterness in your path. Someone will offend you. Guaranteed, someone will offend you. Someone may have offended you today already. You may, they may have offended you at church. I may have offended you. There's going to come obstacles your way. The enemy's going to throw obstacles in your path. And, and it's not even, most of the time, it's not even the other person's in, intention to offend you. But the enemy uses it as a snare to entrap you and to cause you to live in lack because you're never able to step out of what they did. You always live in what they done did you wrong. And you never step into the blessing of the Lord because you're still handcuffed to the things of your past. You're never stepping into the future of what God has. Never stepping into the present of what God has. And then there's flat out assaults on this journey. There are times when you're walking this journey with the Lord and, and the assault comes, sickness disease, unexpected news, devastation, things come, things have, Katrina's come blowing in your life. Can I tell you that when assaults come, stay on the highway of holiness, stay on the path of faith. He will be the anchor for your soul. This hope that we have in Christ, he is the anchor of our soul. He will anchor you in the middle of the assaults of life. Don't allow yourself to get off the path that God has ordained for you because of the assaults. Allow God to reveal the truth of that circumstance and that situation to you. In John chapter 11, we find the occasion of Lazarus, Lazarus, it's Lazarus, sorry, Lazarus's death. And in, in Lazarus, <laughs> in John chapter 11 and verse 1, and you didn't know that there was a book called Lazarus, did you? I'm adding books this morning to the Bible. Lazarus gets raised from the dead in John chapter 11. Verse 1, it says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus from Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And Jesus' response, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. 
note, every circumstance that you face, every assault, every obstacle, every attack, every distraction, God will turn it for his glory in your life. Before you ever enter it, the steps of the righteous, if you're on the path, if you're on this path of faith with God, he knows everything that's going to happen on that journey before it ever does, and it takes him not by surprise. And he has intended that everything that comes your way will be used for his glory. Hello. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days. I love you, but I'm going to stay. <laughs> That's just great news, Jesus, thanks. Then the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you're going there again? Skip down to verse 20. And Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house, and Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world. And let's, let's pick up in verse, uh, let's see here. Let's go to 32. Then Mary came where Jesus was and saw him. She fell down at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit, was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. And then she, Juice said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? And Jesus, again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who was, who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench. He's been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I have said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, banned hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. I want to take a look at this, this story as it relates to breaking a spirit of poverty or lack over your life, understanding a revelation from God, a revelation of truth. The first thing that we see here in verse 21 of this chapter is Martha looks at Jesus and says, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You know, isn't that our response where we're in the place of lack or poverty? Lord, you're always looking for blame. Lord, if you had been here, well, if you hadn't done this or you hadn't done that, we wouldn't have been in this situation. Lack and poverty always look to blame someone else instead of taking responsibility and beginning to magnify God. Martha's response should have been to magnify God and not the fault finding. Those who are always fault finding are always 
aware of the problems that exist. They always know what the problems are coming, and they're always willing to blame somebody for those problems. That's not the life that you and I are called to live. Anybody hear what I'm saying? Y'all are getting quiet on me. (laughs) We're not living our life to blame others or to live in a place of fear based on what others have done or didn't do. In John chapter 11, Verse 25 through 26, Jesus looks at her. After she's had her moments of excuses, after she's had her moments of judging what everybody did and didn't do, Jesus didn't rebuke her for it. Jesus didn't condemn her for it. He looked past it. He moved right past it. In his love, he goes right past it. He does the same thing with you and I. Okay, you've had your excuses. You've had your time to criticize everybody else and judge everybody else and blame everybody else. Now are you going to step up? Now are you going to step out of the excuses? Are you going to stop living in the past? And are you going to step into what I'm doing today? And Jesus is still asking you and I the same question today. Are you going to stop living in the excuses and the judgments of others and step into what I'm doing today? You know, Jesus even asked her, do you believe your brother's going to rise again? And what was her response? Oh, yeah, the resurrection of the day. Yes, yeah, someday. Someday. And Jesus looked at her and said, I'm not talking about someday. I'm talking about today. Today, your brother will live. And today, today, the Lord is saying to you, today, will you step out of the excuse? Today, will you stop blaming others? Today, will you step into the promise that God has for you? And Jesus looked at Martha in verse 25 and 26. And 26, and said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? What? You don't, you've got nothing to lose. In that situation, you've got nothing to lose. He is the resurrection and the life. He is overcoming it all. There is absolutely nothing that you and I face that he's not overcome. And John 16 In John chapter 16 and verse 33, it says this. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. In the circumstances around you, you're going to have trouble. But in me, you can find peace. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome every situation, whether it's a family situation or life problem or finance, whatever it is, begin to magnify the Lord. Stop making excuses. Look to the one who's the resurrection and the life. If you die, you're resurrected. If you live, you'll never die. It's it's win-win. You've got a win-win situation with Jesus. James said in uh, chapter 1 and verse 2, count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds. Guess what? You're going to face difficult times. Jesus even said that. You're going to face difficult situations. He even went as far to say they're going to hate you and kill you. They did it to me. What makes you think they're not going to do it to you? And we live in our Christian bubbles and we think that that's never going to happen. I think the days are closer than we think. But the reality is this. I can find peace in God. I don't have to live. Well, here we go again. I'm, you know, why? Woke up this morning and 
You know, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed, so I'm going to be cranky today because this happened. I woke. No, put on Christ. Be clothed with Christ. Live by faith. Begin to magnify the Lord. Lord, I'm not going to get caught up in the fact that I have a hangnail on my pinky this morning. I'm going to pull the hangnail and keep going. Thank you, Jesus. Bless the Lord. I'm going to pray in tongues. I'm going to build myself up in my most holy faith. It doesn't matter what happens today. I'm going to glorify you, Lord, because you're the resurrection and the life. You can speak to this this dead situation. You're the overcomer. You've overcome that tomb. You've overcome the grave. There's nothing too too difficult for you. There's nothing impossible for you. I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to live by the excuses anymore. I don't have to live in offense anymore. I'm being clothed with Christ today. That's the life of faith we're called to live. Having a revelation of the truth. What does that mean when we say have a revelation of the truth? You have to have an experiential knowledge and encounter with Jesus. How does that happen? The Holy Spirit. Jesus said the Holy Spirit. Why do we talk so much about the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit has come, Jesus said, to reveal who? Him. The Holy Spirit has come to reveal Jesus to us. And so we need the Holy Spirit's influence in our lives every morning, every day. If I need the Holy Spirit to deal with church people, you need the Holy Spirit to deal with worldly people. (laughs) I've overcome. I'm an overcomer in Christ. To him who overcomes, Jesus repeated throughout Revelation, you were not created to be defeated. You were not born to be defeated. You were born to walk in victory in Christ. Your old nature is defeated. Who you used to be was defeated. Who you were before Christ is under the curse, but who you are today is under the Spirit of God, not walking according to the law of sin and death, but walking according to the law of liberty in Christ Jesus. Go read Romans and discover this life that you were called to live. Not a life of excuses and blaming others. Not a life looking for lack. But a life of experiential revelation of who Christ is. He's an overcomer. And in 2 Samuel, I want to read these couple verses. There's a guy in 2 Samuel that I really like. He was one of, he was one of David's mighty men. David had 37 mighty men. He was one of them. 2 Samuel 23. Two verses about this dude. Out of, a, out of a Bible full of information and wisdom and revelation, there's two verses about this guy. And this is what it says, verse 11. And after him was Shammah, or Shammah, or Shammah, or however you say it. Haha. The son of... A G. You know, I don't know how to say these names. These are just wonderful Bible names. Shama, son of a G, the Hararatite. Aren't you glad we don't use these names anymore? 
Now everybody just names their kids Levi. <laughs> we have how many, three babies, five babies named Levi now? I don't know. The Philistines, verse 11, and after him was Shammah, not Shamu the whale, Shammah. <laughs> the Philistines. You know, if you can't laugh at your own jokes, it's bad. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines, but he stationed himself in the middle of the field and defended it and killed the Philistines. And so the Lord brought a great victory. Now, I just want to pause here for a moment. That's all it says about Shamu. Now, here's, here's, the, here's the story. He was... The Philistines were after a plot of, of soil, a plot of ground that had, was full of crops, of lentils. And everybody was running out of fear. Everybody was running from the Philistines, these giants. Everybody run. I said last week, find what everybody else is not doing and do it, and it's probably God. Really. And that's what, that's what this Shamu did. Everybody's running the opposite direction. Everybody's running out of fear, but he stakes his claim and says, absolutely not. This is our land. You can't have our land. This land is my land. <laughs> you can't have it. You can't have it. And he stood there. Now, here's, here's the powerful thing about this. The, he killed them all. He killed all the Philistines. They came up against him and tried to take the land. He wouldn't let them have it. He killed them. One man. He would be the guy you'd want on your security team. <laughs> Knock them all out. Philistine giants, gone. Everybody's running for fear. That's what poverty looks like. Oh, here comes the enemy again. They're going to take my land. They're going to take my lentils. The enemy's going to take my, he's going to take my lentils. He's going to run off with my lentils. The enemy's running off with my lentils again. I just planted those lentils. You can't have my lentils, enemy. Shame, shame. No. And run in fear. That's what poverty and lack does. But those who live under the blessing of the Lord say, as they said in Deuteronomy 26, the Lord has given us this land. The Lord has given me this land, and you ain't having it, devil. Come on. World, you're not taking the land that the Lord has given me. I have taken possession of this. I'm inhabiting this land. I have sown in the land. I have taken dominion over the land that the Lord has given me. He has blessed it, and you can't have it. That's exactly what you need to do. That's the, that's the attitude of the believer who has the authority and the power of God in their life. They're not questioning the promise and the blessing of God. They're not questioning the, the enemy that's coming against it. They're standing firm on the word and the promise of God. You cannot have this. You can't have my house, devil. You can't have my family. You can't have my finances. You can't, I, you can't have my health. Get your hands off my health. 
And you begin to walk in the promise of the Lord. And stake out your claim. This is the promise of God for me. And you can't have it. Now here's an interesting fact. Shama. It may sound familiar to you because it is part of a compound word used in Ezekiel. Jehovah Shama. Which means the Lord is here. So in other words, Shama is a... The Lord is here. You can't have my lentils because the Lord is here. You can't have my promise because the Lord is here. You're going to be saying all week, devil, you can't have my lentils. You're going to walk out of here, out of this place today, and you're not going to be able to forget that the enemy can't have your lentils. Take take your hands off my property. (laughs) The Lord is here. The Lord has given me this. The Lord has blessed me, and you can't have it. The Lord is an overcomer. Now, here's, here's the power of this. Let's take this a step further. Walking in a revelation of truth. What happens when you have a revelation of truth? In Romans 10, 9, if you have your Bibles, you can go to Romans chapter 10. You all doing okay? In Romans chapter 10, when you have a revelation of God, a revelation of truth, there is an outflow of this. This scripture is probably familiar. We quote it all the time when people get born again or make decisions for Christ. Can we put it up on the screen? Romans 10, 9, maybe. We'll get there. I'll read it for you. Romans 10. There we go. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We quote that all the time. Verse 10. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So what happens when you have a revelation of truth? You confess with your mouth. I believe. That's what what the prayer of repentance is. That's why we lead people in a prayer of repentance. It's less, it's not a magical prayer. It is a confession of faith. I believe that you died for me, you rose again, and I believe that I am born again. It's a confession of faith. It's a confession of what God is revealing in the person's heart in their life in that moment. So confession Confessing the truth, the, the reality of the truth of the word of God, you begin to speak that thing out. Now, I am not telling you to go home and make positive professions over your car and you're going to have a new BMW and you're going to have a new house. That's not what I'm talking about. There's a, there's a whole group of people that have taken confessions of faith and have made a prosperity teaching over po- positive professions. I'm not teaching you that. But what I am telling you is that you need to start proclaiming the word of God over your life. If God says to you that by my stripes you are healed, stop walking around confessing every sickness and illness that you have. You know, there are, there are people, every time you talk to them, everything they want to talk about is the illness. What's the latest illness they have? What's the, what's the greatest, what's the next biggest illness doctor visit they had? As believers, that's living under the curse. That is your old self. Yes, you might be sick, and yes, you might have illness come up, but stop confessing the sickness everywhere you go. Stop living under the curse and confess the promise of God for your life. Well, I'm just, 
broke and I'm just busted and I'm just disgusted with everything in life. Stop walking around like that and stand on the word of God. Begin to confess his word for your life. What did Mary do? Or sorry, Martha, after Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, he shall live. And whoever lives in me, believes in me, shall never die. What was her response? Faith was ignited in her heart. She finally had a revelation of truth and she confessed. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming in the world. She had went from Christ, Jesus being a prophet sent by God, to now he is the Son of God. Confession of faith. At some point, you need to stop speaking death over your life and start speaking the promise of God. Who is Christ for you? Is he your redeemer? Is he your savior? Is he your healer? Is he your comforter? Is he your helper? Is he your standby? Is he your advocate? What is it in your life that you're facing that you need to begin to declare the promises of God over? David said, Lord, let the meditation of my heart and the confessions, the words of my mouth be pleasing to you. Are they in alignment with the word of God or am I speaking according to my flesh? Your mouth becomes the release valve, if you will, for your faith. Faith is produced in your heart by the spirit of God and your mouth opens up and begins to speak out the promises of God. That's why praying in tongues is so important. That's why praying in the spirit is so important because you stop praying and speaking negativity and and darkness and curses, and you start speaking and praying the will of God over your life. You start worshiping according to the will of God over your life. And then in verse 40, I'll wrap up with this. I still have not finished this message. <laughs> this is point one. We're, we're, we're down to point, we got point one. We got our introduction last week, point one this week. We'll move on to point two next week. Verse 40 says, did I not say to you that if you would believe, that word believe in the Greek, have faith. Did I not say to you that if you would have faith, you would see the glory of God. You would see the glory of God. What are you looking at? (laughs) What are you looking at? All, is all that you see in your life is where you lack? Or are you hearing the echoes of the words of Jesus to Martha? I said to you, Tony, I said to you, if you would have faith, you would see the glory of God. Why do we not see the glory of God in our circumstance? Because we don't have faith. Why do we not see the glory of God, the potential glory of God in the circumstances we face. Why on life's journey, when you're headed down a path of assaults and distractions and obstacles and things come your way, why is it difficult to count it all joy? Why is it difficult to command yourself to be in a place of joy? Because you lack faith. Jesus said, if you have faith, you would see the glory of God. We don't see it because we're not operating in faith. But the minute that you start putting on the eyes of faith, you begin to see. Jesus said he's the resurrection and the life. He's the resurrection and the life for my family, 
He's the resurrection and the life for my home. He's the resurrection and the life for my body. He's the resurrection and the life for our city. He's the resurrection and the life for our region. He's the resurrection and the life for our country. We need Jesus in America. It doesn't matter what side of the political line you fall under. At the end of the day, we need Jesus in America. Well, we need a we need a born again politician. Well, that'd be wonderful. But it, doesn't look like that's going to happen. But what will happen is you better believe I'm going to be praying on my knees for whoever. You may not be talking in tongues, but I sure am. (laughs) We don't need in America the church to get in this place of judgment against politicians. I'm just going down a whole journey here. Hear what I'm saying. If you watch, and I'm sure you have, if I mean, you, you just barely turn on the news and you catch it, it's, it's who's got the most trash on the next. Since when did the President of the United States become about who's got the most trash on who I mean, just, you can turn on Larry King or whatever. Who's that guy? Jerry Springer. Just turn on Jerry Springer. And that's what politics look like today. You're just going back and forth. Who's got the most trash on the next person? Since when did the president, I mean, it's a disgrace. The last thing that we need to do is get in the middle of a church, as a church, get in the middle of throwing dirt on who's better and who's not. I need to get on my face before God. We need... We need God in America. We need Christians who are on fire for God and will not settle for anything less than revival in America. That's it. That's what's going to change America. Yes, we need to pray and we need to vote and we need to do all those things. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying absolutely we need to do that. But you will not find, in our church anyway, me throwing dirt on this politician or that politician saying go vote for this person that person whatever I'm going to say you need to get on your face before God and ask God to light you up and light our country on fire we need the resurrection and the life in our country and God says it's all for my glory it's all for my glory. He's moving the puzzle pieces. He's moving the puzzle pieces of the politicians. He's moving the puzzle pieces of our country. He's moving the poli- uh, he's moving it. He's orchestrating it. And he's doing it all for his glory. Every circumstance in your life, the righteous live by faith. The steps of the righteous are ordered by God. There is absolutely nothing 
that he is not working for his glory in your life. You may not see the glory of the Lord because you're not viewing through the eyes of faith. God, I don't understand how this situation, this what I went through, what I've gone through, could be ever used for your glory because you're not looking through the eyes of faith. I don't see how this sickness is, could ever be you because you're not looking through the eyes of faith. When you begin to adjust your glasses and stop looking through the dimly lit carnality and start looking through the eyes of faith, you begin to see things a little different. Here's what Romans says. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him. It's what it says. It's what it says. It hasn't changed. He's an overcomer. In him, I'm an overcomer. For I am persuaded. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. If he dies... You're going to live again. If he lives, he'll never die. I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels or principalities or powers, things present, things to come, height or depth, anything created shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What is the greatest, what is the greatest blessing of the redeemed? Is it, is it the car you drive or the success or whatever? Those are, those are side benefits and thank the Lord for them. But the greatest treasure, the greatest value is to know the love of God. To be able to know his love. It's because of his great love that we are redeemed. It's because of his love that we are justified. It's because of his love that we can encounter his presence. So the, the greatest of all treasures, the greatest of all things for us is to walk and to live in this understanding of his love. When you do that, you're no longer walking. When You cannot walk in the love of God and walk in a spirit of lack at the same time. Now you may do a dance and go between the two, but when you're found securely in his love, when he says, get out of the boat and walk on water, guess what you're doing? Because you know he's love you. He loves you. He's got you. You know he's got you. I drown, he's got me. I walk, he's got me. <laughs> Looking at down the tomb, remove the stone. Jesus, you sure you want to go there? <laughs> Jesus is always willing to go in the rancid areas of your life. He's not afraid. Do you hear what I'm saying? Jesus is never afraid to go into the rancid areas of your life where death and darkness and gloom lurk. Matter of fact, he loves going there. Why? Because he loves you. And when you rest in his love... It doesn't matter what darkness lurks there because you know he's got it.
Because why? He loves you. I'm his. I'm secure in his love and know that I am justified by grace through faith. And so when Jesus comes and he starts doing his sanctifying work on my life, I'm good. Jesus, have your way. Because you're resting secure in his love. All things for his glory. Jesus talked about abiding in his love and the connection between abiding in him, his love, and the glory of God. In other words, when you find your greatest delight and your greatest pleasure in God alone, it is then that God is most glorified in your life. God is most glorified when I am most satisfied in him. God is most glorified in my life when I find myself absolutely satisfied in him. It's when we get unsatisfied with God and we try to find pleasure in life and circumstance that we end up in these places called lack and poverty and depression and discouragement. When you walk securely in the love of God by faith, all of a sudden the greatest pleasure, the greatest joy of your life is knowing Him. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand with me? Through the blessing of the Lord. In Deuteronomy 28, I'll read this, I read it last week, but this is the blessing of the Lord for those who have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Galatians 3 says, we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Uh, Deuteronomy 28 verse 3 says, Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall you be in the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall you be in your basket, in your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. I like that. That's just, I, you know, I just, I always, I get the, the, the picture there of Wile E. Coyote for some reason. Those who remember Wile E. Coyote running. They shall come out before you and flee in seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses into which you, all you set your hand. He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God has given you. The Lord will establish, establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they, will, they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods and the fruit of your body and the increase of your livestock and the produce of your ground. I mean, this just keeps going. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, above, not only and beneath. You shall be above only and not beneath. I mean, it just keeps going, all the blessings. Of course, the opposite of that is the cursing. <laughs> so, I, you know, you keep reading, you'll find the curse. I want to walk under the blessing of the Lord. So last week, we started taking a look at the breaking the spirit of poverty and what that means, breaking the spirit of lack. And, and the origins of that, as we said, all originate in the spirit of fear. The enemy wants to control you and to keep you entangled, ensnared, trapped up in this spirit of fear. Paul told Timothy that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And so we took a look last week at what that means, what that looks 
like to overcome and to walk in victory over the spirit of fear. We have to identify our, our power and authority that we walk as uh, under the identity of Christ. We don't walk under our old self, our old sinful nature. We walk according to Christ, the identity of Christ. And so with that, with the identity of Christ comes all the power and authority that Christ has. We've become joint heirs with him. So every spiritual blessing, every bit of authority, every bit of power flowing from God through the Son into our lives. So we have to learn to walk and the power and the authority that God's given us. Secondly, he's not only given us a, a power, an understanding of authority and power, but he's given us his love. And so it's the God kind of love. We live daily saturated, inundated with the love of God. Perfect love cast out fear. So why do we preach and teach? Get under the influence of the Spirit of God because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of love. He sheds abroad the love of God in our hearts and our lives. And so as you begin to be influenced by the Holy Spirit, guess what you're going to become more aware of? The love of God. And so you become, Solomon talked about this. Song of Solomon talked about, talks about the love of God being absolutely intoxicating. Have you experienced the love of God to the point of intoxication? You know, people walk around, you know, they, and influenced in services. You see this at times, people acting like they're drunk, carrying on, laughing uncontrollably, slurred speech, worshiping. God in the middle of all of it. Isn't that what happened on the day of Pentecost? That when they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that the, those who were around thought that they were drunk. Peter stood up with the 11 and said, these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your... And he just preached. He went for it. And they got born again. That was the effects of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes you aware and understanding of the love of God. And then he's given us a sound mind. He's given us the ability to walk in self-discipline. Everybody say no. <laughs> That's not a bad word. <laughs> it's not a bad word. Learn to use it as needed. No. Tell yourself, no, I don't need to spend that money right now. I don't need to say that. I don't need to think that. Take authority, living in self-discipline. When you don't walk in self-discipline, you open the door to fear. Because you're now no longer living under the control and the wisdom of heaven. You're walking according to your own nature. And we know clearly through scripture that the end of that brings what? Destruction. There is a way that seems right to man, but the end is destruction. And so as a believer, the just shall live by faith. Faith requires us to walk in self-discipline, that we don't allow ourselves to roam off the path of faith, but we stay on the narrow path, the hard path of faith. Now, when I talk about hard path, the Bible, Isaiah, talks about this highway of holiness. Go read it. This highway of holiness, this place where, where sinners shall not cross. It's a, it's a highway prepared by the Lord for you and I to walk. Our, our natural selves, our carnal selves, our natural carnal nature does not want to walk on the highway of holiness. 
We want to indulge on our chocolate chip cookies to overflowing. I did not do that. I ate them sparingly. I did not overindulge. I had to tell myself, self, the Lord blessed me with these, and I'm not going to be a glutton. I'm going to eat them correctly. Right? The Lord, the Lord, what? The Lord has blessed me with my finances. I am not going to overspend. Y'all hear what I'm saying? So you have to walk in self-discipline. So we took a look at that. This week, I want to take a look at having a revelation of truth. You know, when you get a revelation of the truth of the word of God, it will liberate you. Jesus said, you shall know the truth. John eight thirty two. you shall know the truth. And what? The truth will set you free. So we're going to have a revelation of truth today. Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So this truth of God illuminating our path. You know, as you go down this journey in life, there are plenty of things that will try to distract you from the journey that God's called you to walk. The spirit of poverty, the spirit of lack that we're talking about, breaking this, this curse in your life and walking under freedom is a distraction. The enemy will come in when God calls you to step out in faith, when God says to walk in faith in a particular area of life, the enemy will come in and say, well, you can't do that. You see what happened to this person over here? You can't do that. You know, if we go around gauging our lives on the mistakes and everything else everyone else did and all the failures of everyone else, we would sit at home and be hermits and never do anything because someone's messed it up somewhere, everything. And so at some point, we have to learn to walk by faith, not by the distractions. There's obstacles that will come our way. The enemy will come and he'll throw bitterness in your path. Someone will offend you. Guaranteed, someone will offend you. Someone may have offended you today already. You may, they may have offended you at church. I may have offended you. There's going to come obstacles your way. The enemy's going to throw obstacles in your path. And, and it's not even, most of the time, it's not even the other person's in, intention to offend you. But the enemy uses it as a snare to entrap you and to cause you to live in lack because you're never able to step out of what they did. You always live in what they done did you wrong. And you never step into the blessing of the Lord because you're still handcuffed to the things of your past. You're never stepping into the future of what God has. Never stepping into the present of what God has. And then there's flat out assaults on this journey. There are times when you're walking this journey with the Lord and, and the assault comes, sickness disease, unexpected news, devastation, things come, things have, Katrina's come blowing in your life. Can I tell you that when assaults come, stay on the highway of holiness, stay on the path of faith. He will be the anchor for your soul. This hope that we have in Christ, he is the anchor of our soul. He will anchor you in the middle of the assaults of life. Don't allow yourself to get off 
the path that God has ordained for you because of the assaults. Allow God to reveal the truth of that circumstance and that situation to you. In John chapter 11, we find the occasion of Lazarus, or Lazarus, it's Lazarus, sorry, Lazarus's death. And in Lazarus, <laughs> in John chapter 11 and verse 1, And you didn't know that there was a book called Lazarus, did you? I'm adding books this morning to the Bible. Lazarus gets raised from the dead in John chapter 11. Verse 1 says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus from Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And Jesus' response, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Note, every circumstance that you face, every assault, every obstacle, every attack, every distraction, God will turn it for his glory in your life. Before you ever enter it, the steps of the righteous. If you're on the path, if you're on this path of faith with God, he knows everything that's going to happen on that journey before it ever does, and it takes him not by surprise. And he has intended that everything that comes your way will be used for his glory. Hello. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days. I love you, but I'm going to stay. <laughs> That's just great news, Jesus, thanks. Then the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you're going there again? Skip down to verse 20. And Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house, and Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world. And let's, let's pick up in verse, uh, let's see here. Let's go to 32. Then Mary came where Jesus was and saw him. She fell down at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit, was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. And then she, Jesus said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? And Jesus, again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who was, who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench. He's been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I have said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, banned hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. 
I want to take a look at this, this story as it relates to breaking a spirit of poverty or lack over your life, understanding a revelation from God, a revelation of truth. The first thing that we see here in verse 21 of this chapter is Martha looks at Jesus and says, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You know, isn't that our response where we're in the place of lack or poverty? Lord, you're always looking for blame. Lord, if you had been here, Well, if you hadn't done this or you hadn't done that, we wouldn't have been in this situation. Lack and poverty always look to blame someone else instead of taking responsibility and beginning to magnify God. Martha's response should have been to magnify God and not the fault finding. Those who are always fault finding are always aware of the problems that exist. They always know what the problems are coming, and they're always willing to blame somebody for those problems. That's not the life that you and I are called to live. Anybody hear what I'm saying? Y'all are getting quiet on me. (laughs) We're not living our life to blame others or to live in a place of fear based on what others have done or didn't do. In John chapter 11, Verse 25 through 26, Jesus looks at her. After she's had her moments of excuses, after she's had her moments of judging what everybody did and didn't do, Jesus didn't rebuke her for it. Jesus didn't condemn her for it. He looked past it. He moved right past it. In his love, he goes right past it. He does the same thing with you and I. Okay, you've had your excuses. You've had your time to criticize everybody else and judge everybody else and blame everybody else. Now are you going to step up? Now are you going to step out of the excuses? Are you going to stop living in the past? And are you going to step into what I'm doing today? And Jesus is still asking you and I the same question today. Are you going to stop living in the excuses and the judgments of others and step into what I'm doing today? You know, Jesus even asked her, do you believe your brother's going to rise again? And what was her response? Oh, yeah, the resurrection of the day. Yes, yeah, someday. Someday. And Jesus looked at her and said, I'm not talking about someday. I'm talking about today. Today, your brother will live. And today, today, the Lord is saying to you, today, will you step out of the excuse? Today, will you stop blaming others? Today, will you step into the promise that God has for you? Jesus looked at Martha in verse 25 and 26 and 26, and said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? What? You don't, you've got nothing to lose. In that situation, you've got nothing to lose. He is the resurrection and the life. He is overcoming it all. There is absolutely nothing that you and I face that he's not overcome. And John 16 In John chapter 16 and verse 33, it says this. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. In the circumstances around you, you're going to have trouble. But in me, you can find peace. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome every situation, whether it's a family situation or life problem or finance, whatever it is, begin to magnify the Lord. Stop making excuses. Look to the one who's the resurrection and the life. If you die, you're resurrected. If you live, you'll never die. It's it's win-win. You've got a win-win situation with Jesus. 
James said in uh, chapter 1 and verse 2, count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds. Guess what? You're going to face difficult times. Jesus even said that. You're going to face difficult situations. He even went as far to say they're going to hate you and kill you. They did it to me. What makes you think they're not going to do it to you? And we live in our Christian bubbles and we think that that's never going to happen. I think the days are closer than we think. But the reality is this. I can find peace in God. I don't have to live. Well, here we go again. I'm, you know, why? Woke up this morning and, you know, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. So I'm going to be cranky today because this happened. I woke. No, put on Christ. Be clothed with Christ. Live by faith. Begin to magnify the Lord. Lord, I'm not going to get caught up in the fact that I have a hangnail on my pinky this morning. I'm going to pull the hangnail and keep going. Thank you, Jesus. Bless the Lord. I'm going to pray in tongues. I'm going to build myself up in my most holy faith. It doesn't matter what happens today. I'm going to glorify you, Lord, because you're the resurrection and the life. You can speak to this dead situation. You're the overcomer. You've overcome that tomb. You've overcome the grave. There's nothing too, too difficult for you. There's nothing impossible for you. I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to live by the excuses anymore. I don't have to live in offense anymore. I'm being clothed with Christ today. That's the life of faith we're called to live. Having a revelation of the truth. What does that mean when we say have a revelation of the truth? You have to have an experiential knowledge and encounter with Jesus. How does that happen? The Holy Spirit. Jesus said the Holy Spirit. Why do we talk so much about the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit has come, Jesus said, to reveal who? Him. The Holy Spirit has come to reveal Jesus to us. And so we need the Holy Spirit's influence in our lives every morning, every day. If I need the Holy Spirit to deal with church people, you need the Holy Spirit to deal with worldly people. <laughs> I've overcome. I'm an overcomer in Christ. To him who overcomes, Jesus repeated throughout Revelation, you were not created to be defeated. You were not born to be defeated. You were born to walk in victory in Christ. Your old nature is defeated. Who you used to be was defeated. Who you were before Christ is under the curse, but who you are today is under the Spirit of God, not walking according to the law of sin and death, but walking according to the law of liberty in Christ Jesus. Go read Romans and discover this life that you were called to live. Not a life of excuses and blaming others. Not a life looking for lack. But a life of experiential revelation of who Christ is. He's an overcomer. And in 2 Samuel, I want to read these couple verses. There's a guy in 2 Samuel that I really like. He was one of, he was one of David's mighty men. David had 37 mighty men. He was one of them. 
Second Samuel 23. Two verses about this dude. Out of, a, out of a Bible full of information and wisdom and revelation, there's two verses about this guy. And this is what it says, verse 11. And after him was Shammah, or Shammah, or Shammah, or however you say it. Haha. The son of Aji. You know, I don't know how to say these names. These are just wonderful Bible names. Shammah, son of Aji, the Hararatite. Aren't you glad we don't use these names anymore? <laughs> now everybody just names their kids Levi. <laughs> we have how many, three babies, five babies named Levi now? I don't know. The Philistines, verse 11, and after him was Shammah, not Shamu the whale, Shammah. The Philistines, you know, if you can't laugh at your own jokes, it's bad. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines, but he stationed himself in the middle of the field and defended it and killed the Philistines. And so the Lord brought a great victory. Now, I just want to pause here for a moment. That's all it says about Shamu. Now, here's, here's, the, here's the story. He was, the Philistines were after a plot of, of soil, a plot of ground that had, was full of crops, of lentils. And everybody was running out of fear. Everybody was running from the Philistines, these giants. Everybody run. I said last week, find what everybody else is not doing and do it, and it's probably God. Really. And that's what, that's what this Shamu did. Everybody's running the opposite direction. Everybody's running out of fear, but he stakes his claim and says, absolutely not. This is our land. You can't have our land. This land is my land. <laughs> you can't have it. You can't have it. And he stood there. Now, here's, here's the powerful thing about this. The, he killed them all. He killed all the Philistines. They came up against him and tried to take the land. He wouldn't let them have it. He killed them. One man. He would be the guy you'd want on your security team. <laughs> Knock them all out. Philistine giants, gone. Everybody's running for fear. That's what poverty looks like. Oh, here comes the enemy again. They're going to take my land. They're going to take my lentils. The enemy's going to take my, he's going to take my lentils. He's going to run off with my lentils. The enemy's running off with my lentils again. I just planted those lentils. You can't have my lentils, enemy. Shame, shame. No. And run in fear. That's what poverty and lack does. But those who live under the blessing of the Lord say, as they said in Deuteronomy 26, the Lord has given us this land. The Lord has given me this land, and you ain't having it, devil. Come on. World, you're not taking the land that the Lord has given me. 
I have taken possession of this. I'm inhabiting this land. I have sown in the land. I have taken dominion over the land that the Lord has given me. He has blessed it, and you can't have it. That's exactly what you need to do. That's the, that's the attitude of the believer who has the authority and the power of God in their life. They're not questioning the promise and the blessing of God. They're not questioning the, the enemy that's coming against it. They're standing firm on the word and the promise of God. You cannot have this. You can't have my house, devil. You can't have my family. You can't have my finances. You can't, I, you can't have my health. Get your hands off my health. And you begin to walk in the promise of the Lord. And stake out your claim. This is the promise of God for me. And you can't have it. Now here's an interesting fact. Shama. It may sound familiar to you because it is part of a compound word used in Ezekiel, Jehovah Shammah, which means the Lord is here. So in other words, Shammah is a, the Lord is here. You can't have my lentils because the Lord is here. You can't have my promise because the Lord is here. You're going to be saying all week, devil, you can't have my lentils. You're going to walk out of here, out of this place today, and you're not going to be able to forget that the enemy can't have your lentils. Take take your hands off my property. (laughs) The Lord is here. The Lord has given me this. The Lord has blessed me, and you can't have it. The Lord is an overcomer. Now, here's, here's the power of this. Let's take this a step further. Walking in a revelation of truth. What happens when you have a revelation of truth? In Romans 10, 9, if you have your Bibles, you can go to Romans chapter 10. You all doing okay? In Romans chapter 10, when you have a revelation of God, a revelation of truth, there is an outflow of this. This scripture is probably familiar. We quote it all the time when people get born again or make decisions for Christ. Can we put it up on the screen? Romans 10, 9, maybe. We'll get there. I'll read it for you. Romans 10. There we go. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We quote that all the time. Verse 10. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So what happens when you have a revelation of truth? You confess with your mouth. I believe. That's what... That's what the prayer of repentance is. That's why we lead people in a prayer of repentance. It's less, it's not a magical prayer. It is a confession of faith. I believe that you died for me, you rose again, and I believe that I am born again. It's a confession of faith. It's a confession of what God is revealing in the person's heart in their life in that moment. So confession Confessing the truth, the, the reality of the truth of the word of God, you begin to speak that thing out. Now, I am not telling you 
to go home and make positive professions over your car and you're going to have a new BMW and you're going to have a new house. That's not what I'm talking about. There's a, there's a whole group of people that have taken confessions of faith and have made a prosperity teaching over po- positive professions. I'm not teaching you that. But what I am telling you is that you need to start proclaiming the word of God over your life. If God says to you that by my stripes you are healed, stop walking around confessing every sickness and illness that you have. You know, there are, there are people, every time you talk to them, everything they want to talk about is the illness. What's the latest illness they have? What's the, what's the greatest, what's the next biggest illness doctor visit they have? As believers, that's living under the curse. That is your old self. Yes, you might be sick, and yes, you might have illness come up, but stop confessing the sickness everywhere you go. Stop living under the curse and confess the promise of God for your life. Well, I'm just broken. I'm just busted and I'm just disgusted with everything in life. Stop walking around like that and stand on the word of God. Begin to confess his word for your life. What did Mary do? Or sorry, Martha, after Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, he shall live. And whoever lives in me, believes in me, shall never die. What was her response? Faith was ignited in her heart. She finally had a revelation of truth and she confessed. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming to the world. She had went from Christ, Jesus being a prophet sent by God to now he is the son of God. Confession of faith. At some point, you need to stop speaking death over your life and start speaking the promise of God. Who is Christ for you? Is he your redeemer? Is he your savior? Is he your healer? Is he your comforter? Is he your helper? Is he your standby? Is he your advocate? What is it in your life that you're facing, that you need to begin to declare the promises of God over. David said, Lord, let the meditation of my heart and the confessions, the words of my mouth be pleasing to you. Are they in alignment with the word of God or am I speaking according to my flesh? Your mouth becomes the release valve, if you will, for your faith. Faith is produced in your heart by the Spirit of God and your mouth opens up and begins to speak out the promises of God. That's why praying in tongues is so important. That's why praying in the Spirit is so important because you stop praying and speaking negativity and and darkness and curses and you start speaking and praying the will of God over your life. You start worshiping according to the will of God over your life. And then in verse 40, I'll wrap up with this. I still have not finished this message. <laughs> this is point one. We're, we're, we're down to point, we got point one. We got our introduction last week, point one this week. We'll move on to point two next week. Verse 40 says, did I not say to you that if you would believe, that word believe in the Greek, have faith. Did I not say to you that if you would have faith, you would see the glory of God. You would see the glory of God. What are you looking at? <laughs> what are you looking at? All, is all that you see in your life is where you lack? 
Or are you hearing the echoes of the words of Jesus to Martha? I said to you, Tony, I said to you, if you would have faith, you would see the glory of God. Why do we not see the glory of God in our circumstance? Because we don't have faith. Why do we not see the glory of God, the potential glory of God in the circumstances we face? Why on life's journey, when you're headed down a path of assaults and distractions and obstacles and things come your way, why is it difficult to count it all joy? Why is it difficult to command yourself to be in a place of joy? Because you lack faith. Jesus said, if you have faith, you would see the glory of God. We don't see it because we're not operating in faith. But the minute that you start putting on the eyes of faith, you begin to see. Jesus said, he's the resurrection and the life. He's the resurrection and the life for my family. He's the resurrection and the life for my home. He's the resurrection and the life for my body. He's the resurrection and the life for our city. He's the resurrection and the life for our region. He's the resurrection and the life for our country. We need Jesus in America. It doesn't matter what side of the political line you fall under. At the end of the day, we need Jesus in America. Well, we need a we need a born again politician. Well, that'd be wonderful. But it, Doesn't look like that's gonna happen. But what will happen is you better believe I'm gonna be praying on my knees for whoever. You may not be talking in tongues, but I sure am. <laughs> we don't need in America the church to get in this place of judgment. against politicians. I'm just going down a whole journey here. Hear what I'm saying. If you watch, and I'm sure you have, if I mean, you, you just barely turn on the news and you catch it. It's, it's who's got the most trash on the next. Since when did the President of the United States become about who's got the most trash on who I mean, just, you can turn on Larry King or whatever. Who's that guy? Jerry Springer. Just turn on Jerry Springer. I mean, that's what politics look like today. You're just going back and forth. Who's got the most trash on the next person? Since when did the president, I mean, it's a disgrace. The last thing that we need to do is get in the middle of a church, as a church, get in the middle of throwing dirt on who's better and who's not. I need to get on my face before God. We need... We need God in America. We need Christians who are on fire for God and will not settle for anything less than revival in America. That's it. That's what's going to change America. Yes, we need to pray and we need to vote and we need to do all those things. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying absolutely we need to do that. 
but you will not find in our church anyway me throwing dirt on this politician or that politician saying go vote for this person that person whatever I'm going to say you need to get on your face before God and ask God to light you up and light our country on fire we need the resurrection and the life in our country God says it's all for my glory (laughs) it's all for my glory he's moving the puzzle pieces he's moving the puzzle pieces of the politicians he's moving the puzzle pieces of our country he's moving the uh, he's moving it he's orchestrating it and he's doing it all for his glory every circumstance in your life the righteous live by faith. The steps of the righteous are ordered by God. There is absolutely nothing that he is not working for his glory in your life. You may not see the glory of the Lord because you're not viewing through the eyes of faith. God, I don't understand how this situation, this what I went through, what I've gone through, could be ever used for your glory. Because you're not looking through the eyes of faith. I don't see how this sickness could ever be you. Because you're not looking through the eyes of faith. When you begin to adjust your glasses and stop looking through the dimly lit carnality and start looking through the eyes of faith, you begin to see things a little different. Here's what Romans says. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him. It's what it says. It's what it says. It hasn't changed. He's an overcomer. In him, I'm an overcomer. For I am persuaded. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. If he dies, he's going to live again. If he lives, he'll never die. I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels or principalities or powers, things present, things to come, height nor depth, anything created shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What is the greatest, what is the greatest blessing of the redeemed? Is it, is it the car you drive or the success or whatever? Those are, those are side benefits and thank the Lord for them. But the greatest treasure, the greatest value is to know the love of God. To be able to know his love. It's because of his great love that we are redeemed. It's because of his love that we are justified. It's because of his love that we can encounter his presence. So the, the greatest of all treasures, the greatest of all things for us is to walk and to live in this understanding of his love. When you do that, you're no longer walking. When You cannot walk in the love of God and walk in a spirit of lack at the same time. 
Now you may do a dance and go between the two. But when you're found securely in his love, when he says, get out of the boat and walk on water, guess what you're doing? Because you know he's love you. He loves you. He's got you. You know he's got you. I drown, he's got me. I walk, he's got me. <laughs> Looking at down the tomb, remove the stone. Jesus, you sure you want to go there? <laughs> Jesus is always willing to go in the rancid areas of your life. He's not afraid. Do you hear what I'm saying? Jesus is never afraid to go into the rancid areas of your life where death and darkness and gloom lurk. Matter of fact, he loves going there. Why? Because he loves you. And when you rest in his love, it doesn't matter what darkness lurks there because you know he's got it. Because why? He loves you. I'm his. I'm secure in his love and know that I am justified by grace through faith. And so when Jesus comes and he starts doing his sanctifying work on my life, I'm good. Jesus, have your way. Because you're resting secure in his love. All things for his glory. Jesus talked about abiding in his love and the connection between abiding in him, his love, and the glory of God. In other words, when you find your greatest delight and your greatest pleasure in God alone, it is then that God is most glorified in your life. God is most glorified when I am most satisfied in Him. God is most glorified in my life when I find myself absolutely satisfied in Him. It's when we get unsatisfied with God and we try to find pleasure in life and circumstance that we end up in these places called lack and poverty and depression and discouragement when you walk securely in the love of God by faith all of a sudden the greatest pleasure the greatest joy of your life is knowing Him Hallelujah why don't you stand with me Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so awesome.